high school senior year, we were all going around the room saying what we'd be doing in 10 years. And when it got to me, I said I would be retiring from UFC, hosting <laughs> Saturday Night Live, and using that to go on to WWE and eventually become president of the United States. So What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another edition of Out of Character with me, Ryan Satin. I hope you all enjoyed last week's episode with The Miz. I know I was a big fan of it. And now we're keeping things rolling with this week's guest, former world heavyweight champion and current SmackDown tag team champion, Dolph Ziggler. Dolph, thank you so much for taking the time to do this today. Uh, yeah, absolutely, man. Happy to be here. So I've always been a big fan of yours, and I, I, I think that you're someone who fascinates me because you've had so many different uh, incarnations of your character going so far back. Like you've been part of WWE's locker room in different parts of it in different eras. So um, I, I like that you've been able to maintain such longevity in WWE. I think that's hard to do and it's, it's impressive that you've been able to do that. But you know, something that interests me about you is that uh, you're someone who I think it's hard to tell you know, where your character starts and where your real true self starts. So how much of your real true self is there in the Dolph Ziggler character, in your opinion? Uh, in my opinion, I mean, there's some, obviously. Uh, I didn't, you know, come forward this and say, here's me with a slightly different name and I'll shake hands for a year with people backstage and, and be annoying. Uh, I just, you know, came to WWE saying, I work harder than everybody else. Uh, I'm a lifelong fan. I have the background if you want to Google me. Uh, and when you get to a certain point, you have to follow what the show's doing. You have to follow what creative is. And then you get to a point where you get to interject yourself a little bit more, a little bit more every time. And especially when it comes down to, I don't know, 15, 16 years, however long it's been here, I get to a point where even if I don't see eye to eye exactly the same as the show does, I can get things here and there. Uh, I mean, just this last week, I just got to, I came out, out to the ring to see uh, Dominic and Rey Mysterio. And I just, I knew I didn't have a lot of time. I went right to Adam and just started zinging him as fast as I could, like I would somebody in the locker room. So you get those moments where it is truly you, but also, I mean, uh, the only thing different is I probably wear a little bit louder clothes now. <laughs> well, going back, you know, you mentioned that you, you have the history, you know, that you were, did amateur wrestling and, and went in your youth, but did you ever do any acting or drama in your youth? Uh, I, I wasn't uh, part of like plays in high school or college or anything, but I was always affiliated with everything. And in my high school, um, we had our homeroom was 15 minutes and we did a, like a 12 minute news show. And we, I don't know if that's hip anymore, so we had TVs, it, uh, and uh, I was the anchor. I was one of the two anchors, I was co-anchor of our news program, but also I did art stuff and hung out with the, you know, the theater kids who did the stuff behind the scenes. So I learned how to get pieces of how the, the, the stage works, the stuff behind the scenes, setting up the teleprompter and everything. And then also being on camera doing those things. So uh, anytime we did stuff, and I, I was doing improv and going to comedy shows at a young age also, but no formal acting, uh, probably just some dumb local commercials in Cleveland. So then comedy was something that you were interested in as a kid as well? Yeah. Uh, and I, I mean, I, I watched, uh, Nick at Night, I watched those old uh, Saturday Night Lives the first couple seasons. And I was a kid, 
And I didn't know what the hell was so funny or what anyone was even laughing at. And now that I'm older, I see the bees standing around like I don't even think it's funny now. But there's a bunch of different things that I was like, oh, I loved it. It wasn't like uh, I didn't want to be a class clown or anything, but I liked setting up a scenario where everyone was listening to me and being baited in on a story just so I could say some punchline and walk out of the room. So I, I got into it very early. Um, and I remember my high school senior year, we were all going around the room saying what we'd be doing in 10 years. And when it got to me, I said I would be retiring from UFC, hosting <laughs> Saturday Night Live, and using that to go on to WWE and eventually become president of the United States. So, I mean, I have some of those goals accomplished so far. Uh, but if you remember, UFC at the time, it wasn't UFC 398. It was UFC 6, 7, 8, 9, 10. It was very different at the time, and I was I was such a fan. And when I wrestled in high school, we tried to you know exchange some some holds and different other things also. So, do you think that you would ever try to run for politics post WWE, pull a cane or something like that? Uh, I mean, I'm really interested in it. I feel like I'm more. It's way more fun to be the pundit and make fun of all of those politicians <laughs> who say something one day and then totally say something different in the next administration or even the next day. So it's way more fun uh, to kind of zing those people uh, because um, I, I really I really up until about five years ago wanted to definitely make that happen long term and I will be involved one way or another but it's way more fun to, to try and be a pundit and just make fun of everybody lying every day just <laughs> just to call them on it it's so you got to call people on their stuff once in a while yeah it's fun it to do that yeah that's what, that's the best part of social media is that you can call people out on stuff like that yes yeah, yeah. the reason, it's, the reason it's there it's forever man so Oh, yeah, absolutely. The reason I asked about drama, though, and, and acting as a kid is because I feel like you were thrown into some wild characters off the start, you know, off the jump in WWE. You had, uh, you know, the caddy and then you had a cheerleader. So it's interesting to me. It's interesting to me to hear you talking about how you liked SNL so much and that you liked the characters, the weird characters on that show. Um, did you like being thrown into the deep end in terms of character work? Uh, thrown into the deep end in terms of character sounds amazing. I was told you're going to be Kurt Angle's protege because you're an awesome collegiate wrestler. You're a badass. You work hard. You're picking it up as fa almost as fast as he is. And then they go, you're a cheerleader. What do you think about that? And I went, <laughs> my stomach dropped. And I said, I feel sick. Like this, I, it's not character work. It's I, I thought at the time you get one shot in the business and I somehow made it this far. And I go, my one shot's going to be as a cheerleader. I'm like, there's no way. I picture in my head, one year from now, there's no way the cheerleader is main eventing WrestleMania fighting for the world title. Uh, if anything, a year later, the cheerleaders are being dumped into a box and sent back to OBW. So I guess I, I can, uh, I'm pretty fast at learning sometimes. But in retrospect, though, do you feel like that era of your career did help you in some way? I mean, you were working with Vince McMahon and Shawn Michaels very fast on the main roster. You had to have learned a lot from those guys. A million percent. So now that we got that part out of the way where I was crushed my spirit inside, which would get me used to the next 15 years, whatever, that's fine. But <laughs> you get that down, and now you once you, you start to realize, not just on, on television being in the ring with Shawn Michaels, Vince McMahon, Triple H, Roddy Piper, uh, Ric Flair, anyone, uh, Dusty Rhodes, anyone you can imagine, getting those few minutes on TV, that juicy TV time is amazing, and you learn. But our live events on the weekends where we got Rick and Sean and Hunter rotating in and out, tagging us, tagging against us three, four nights a week. 
and the main event of the show, that is where you learn so much. And no matter what you, at first you're, you're crushed. And then you get to like, I'm in the ring with Shawn Michaels. And then you get, I, I'm in the ring with Ric Flair and I, I'm putting him in a figure four right now. This is unreal as a, as a kid. So, but you get to those points, those long main event matches because of that spirit squad one year, I am 10 times better than I should have been, no matter how hard I tried because of that experience with all those legends on it is, there's no way you can ever replicate that in a school or even on television or just wanting to be a, a cool character instead. There's no way. What would you say is the biggest lesson you learned during your time with the spirit squad? Uh, man, with them, it, it was so easy to listen because I genu genuinely was brand new. I didn't have a friend in the business. I wasn't a legacy. I wasn't flounder being pulled in and saying, Hey, you got to take this guy and you got to watch out for him. And we got to help him out. It was, I'm this guy who doesn't know anybody. I don't come from even independent wrestling. My father or mother wasn't a wrestler. I just loved it and wanted to do it since I was five. And just, you, you, of course, you, you quietly listen to what everyone says, but you have to remember the main eventers are telling you what are telling, giving you information. And then there's people who behind the scenes are the opposite of main eventers and they're giving you information and you are expected to at least go, yes, sir. Thank you. And even though you're like, this doesn't make any sense. Uh, and sometimes, you know, you'd be wrong. And because uh, not everybody who's the best is on top. I get that. But it was just, I wanted to learn from everybody so fast that you have to quickly go, successful people have this. And then there's people who are at the beginning, uh, this, you know, the opening match of the show who just might not be in the main event, but they've been around 15 years and they know. And you quickly learn who's full of it and who's trying to make the show better. Do you enjoy getting to be on the other side of that now and giving that th that same knowledge to some of the new talent, like a Dominic Mysterio or something like that? No, screw all them. They're not taking my spot. <laughs> uh, no, I uh, and I'll, I'll give you that answer, just like I would say to them backstage, but also go once the joke was over, be like, I love passing that on. I really do. Um, th there's no there's no reason to be a negative, bitter a-hole and then not give back to everybody else. So I, I know what I'm doing better than almost everybody in the business. And I can give it, uh, give out that lessons and maybe they take it, maybe they don't, but being in the ring, uh, street profits, Dominic, uh, it's, it's so fun to go to know that you're helping and you're, you're not trying to sabotage. Uh, and I would, and they wouldn't even know it, but I'm not because I, I care so much for the product that I want, you know, if we go to the back, Vince ain't yelling at Dominic for screwing up. You know, it was me. I screwed up because this is in my hands, which I waited my whole life till about five years ago for everything to be in my hands. And I work for it and prove it. So I love when it's all on me uh, to, to make everything special. And of course, uh, someone like Dominic who just loves the business is a sweetheart. And he's going to be great for a long time. It's fun to be in there and, you know, throw some things around and see what he does. It's really fun. You know, in talking about Vince, I feel like when I was doing the prep for this interview and I was, you know, looking at your career, to me, it seems like he has always had a trust in your abilities, even early in your career. I mean, your, your first match as Dolph Ziggler is against Batista. Um, what's your relationship like with Vince? Do you think there's a, a trust between the two of you? There is uh, a trust that so few of your favorites have that I have. And it's wild because... Uh, without complaining, I'm not the main event guy at the moment. And a lot of times when it comes down to something special, I'm the guy 
just a match away or so. But I know from that relationship, uh, and I mean, you have to earn it. And it's not just, oh, I, I earned this a few years ago. Now I'm fine. You got to re-earn it every day. And I do. And if I mess up, which I do all the time, I say, I screwed this up. It's on me. I will fix this for next time. But uh, even though those years, I'd say of the 15, eight or nine of them felt like, man, Vince hates my effing guts. What the hell is happening here? And then there's those five or six where you go, I get it now. This is, he, he's, he's pushing me. He's challenging me because only I can do these things. And I'm very blessed to be doing them and still kicking ass doing them, which is pretty great. Do you like to be challenged in that aspect to try and be the One best? million percent. Every day, every night. Oh, we have 30 seconds to tell three stories. Okay, got it. I'll do it. And uh, I'll make it happen. Uh, I, I, I love that challenge. That, that is, uh, I, I don't want to say I get bored, but over the last couple of years, sometimes I get really bored knowing I can do this job and knowing the time constraints and knowing what needs to be accomplished. I go, it's too easy sometimes. And it goes, then you get that challenge and you go, damn it. And you throw a chair against the wall and I go, okay, hit the music. We'll, we'll figure it out. And uh, also, I mean, I love talking great about myself, but for the for the time being, uh, Robert Rude also, holy cow, he's, I feel like he was the me of other companies, putting it all in his hands, knowing what to do in a pinch, going, this is all changed now, you have 10 seconds, and he is a true friggin' pro, holy cow, this is so good. How did your guys' pairing come about? Was that something that you guys pushed for, or is that just a random thing that they told you two are teaming together tonight? Uh, you know WWE. Yeah. So definitely it was thought about for months and years and we, <laughs> I brought forward novels and textbooks about how we would go for the next three years of building our team. And we walked in one day and said, you two are teaming and we need your help. Got it. Okay, let's go. Who do we got? And uh, what's great about it is like, I, I, I could be tagging with anybody else and he, man, he, he's so good. I, I, I don't want to gush too much, but like, he's so good that it's almost, there's two of us who are really good at this. So it's really helpful to the rest of the tag team division. And I'll leave that that. Well, I, I, we can gush about Bobby Roode for a little bit. It's okay. We, we, <laughs> we, we got the time. You know, when did you first, you know, was it in that first match where you were like, man, me and this guy click so well, or did it take a few weeks of you guys teaming together for that to come about? That's really funny. You said that. Uh, I didn't know him that well. He's a pretty quiet guy backstage. He's a real, he's not a, an idiot kid like me in his 40s. He's a real grown up, how your grown up should look. And like, <laughs> So I, you know, I kind of screw around and bust everyone's balls and make jokes. And uh, I don't watch NXT. I don't really watch wrestling. I don't do any of that stuff. But I knew Rude from a couple other people always saying how great this guy was. So we have, I, I want to say, I'm really bad at this. You'll probably know, like after WrestleMania or something, he gets called up. And sadly, it was one of those times where I'm the guy you, you come to fight when you get called up. Uh, and we talked a little bit and we had a match. And maybe 10 seconds in that match, I go, oh, this isn't some idiot that I have to make look good. This guy uh, totally, really, really knows what's going on. So then it was so easy uh, when you have, uh, a, when you both have the brain for the business, you both constantly think of the same ideas. There's differences here and there, but you know what the point is and how to get there. And it's so great, like confirming that back and forth. And you're like, okay, so that's what makes us such a great team now is, one minute into that first match without me knowing him but me going this guy's not taking my spot screw this guy and it's like one minute in you're like this guy gets it let's go have fun so going back a little bit was being sent back to ovw after the spear squad 
disheartening at all? Because I feel like you weren't stoked to be a cheerleader anyways. Like, were you pumped that, that you were gonna get a new chance to create a new character? Or was it kind of a bummer that you were just there with Shawn Michaels, John Cena, Triple H, and now you're back to developmental? Okay, well, you have to remember, uh, not only am I not uh, a legacy, I don't have a bunch of friends. We became friends with, with the, uh, the Spear Squad and a couple of the guys on the road at the time. I don't know how, I didn't know how the business worked. So I thought we were cheerleaders. We're doing this great stuff. Hey, we're going to end this thing, but we really like you young guys try hard. So we're going to look for something for you. We went great. And I got sent home, stuffed in a box and sent home and went, Oh my God, I'm fired. How, what do I tell my parents? I had no idea. And I was like, man, I get, do I just keep coming into work at uh, Ohio Valley wrestling? I, I go until they just say, you're not welcome here anymore. I have no idea what happens. So we uh, just showed up, said we had these ideas. And I said, uh, uh, Mikey, who was Mike Mondo, he's uh, he was training at Ohio Valley Wrestling when he got called up. He trained me when I was trying to learn really quickly at the beginning, and I wanted to. I didn't know anything. He was helping me. I was getting trained by Lance Storm and Rip Rogers and Jim Cornette, and they were all helping with every aspect of the business, like throwing it on me. I wanted to learn five years and six months, and I was getting it from them. And then uh, so I said, "Well, Mikey's a lot better than I am, but I'm picking things up really quickly. I'm pretty young." So we had a tag team idea and uh, they said, this is a great idea. We like you two guys. Kenny's going to do his own thing. Uh, Johnny's going to do his own thing. And uh, Mitch is going to go learn to, you know, to pick up, pick up the basics a little bit more and he'll come back. But we got a plan for you two as a tag team. We're going to keep riding off the success of this. And uh, you guys will be right back in a week or two. So we sent them the official pitch for the idea. They said, great. They said, you'll be back TV next week. Uh, the next day they canceled our travel permanently. Oh. And then, uh, so I went, oh, I, again, I go, I really am fired. Okay, what do I do now? I get this. There's still time for law school. So I started looking up look those. But you do get a chance to go, if some, for some reason, this barely six foot guy who's 200 pounds doesn't really know what's going on, has a year and a half, two years in the business. If they want another chance, give me a chance, an opportunity. I will be so ready that they are begging me to stay from that point on. So I just kept hustling and hustling and, I would get, uh, like I said, Mikey was teaching me, and he had, uh, he had a, he had a spare key to the to the gym just to go help me with the basics. And uh, Rip Rogers was teaching me uh, just basic chain wrestling and psychology. And Jim Cornette was doing the same thing. And Lance Storm was teaching me everything else that there is, uh, except promos, obviously. Uh, <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. That's that's a Lance joke because he's so dry. Um, but I just kept racking it up and racking it up going if i get a shot they're gonna be like why didn't we have him here the entire time yeah that makes sense to me i mean I, I, then when you were finally brought to the main roster as dolph ziggler what was the pitch to you like what did they tell you the dolph ziggler character was like because you know you introduce yourself to everybody for a year but when you they said Man. you know you're coming up what is dolph ziggler what they tell you they go Hey, your name's David Diggler. You start today. Uh, I'm like, what? what? What's happening? And they're like, you're gonna say these two sentences and shake someone's hand. And I go, oh, this is this is over with. Um, so I, 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 at the time, the reason I think I got hired was because you could Google my name and see that I had broken records at Kent State Wrestling. So it was the I think we're calling it the reality era because you could it was more real and more you know, less. 70s wrestling and more you could google stats and see these people and this was real real names john cena randy orton and i go 
uh, almost one of my very few time side events. Vince, uh, I know I start today. I feel like this name's kind of crazy and it doesn't work. And uh, we're going reality era. Like my name is even two ends, Nick Nemeth. Like that kind of natural Nick Nemeth that kind of works. Like, and he goes, it's Dolph Ziggler. It stands out. People are going to know it. End of conversation. And he walked away. And I went, damn it. Okay. I go, well, I tried. Here we go. This will last a couple of weeks. And then I'll go back to uh, checking out law schools. <laughs> so then how did you finally start to inject, you know, some personality into that character since you weren't given much of uh, a basis for it? Um, I think it happened in the ring because a, a lot of it, so I, I thought it was so dumb what I was doing, but of course the genius Vince McMahon had this plan of like, I'm like, man, I'm shaking hands. I have a dumb name. I'm smiling like an idiot. I'm like, this is the worst. I thought the cheerleading stuff was bad. I go, this is this the worst. <laughs> and he goes, uh, but after a couple weeks, I started to realize that it was becoming a thing. I was saying my name every day. People were remembering my weird, goofy name and it was standing out. I was saying it on television every day. It got to a point. It's almost like how Hulk Hogan comes out. And he doesn't even say his catchphrase. Everyone's just waiting for it. You're ready for it. I got to a point where I would walk into frame backstage. Everyone goes, oh, here we go. And I was like, I, I finally caught on after a few months. Like, this is going to stand out. It's going to stick. It sucks for now. But once you start doing the matches, you have something that already is grabbing people's attention other than like, hey, this young guy, he looks like he might be good. He's kind of small and that's it. And now it's like, I hate this guy because when he walks on, he goes and sticks his hand out. I want to kill him and wring his neck. And you go, I didn't realize how great of a business that was at the time. Yeah, I went so back and watched those. Matches, They're great. You, you start to get, you know, I just, you, I'm still nervous, but you just go with your natural instincts and just start having fun and drop, slam somebody on the ground and go to shake their hand, but they can't. I'm like, oh, I was just trying to do things on the fly. And then you just start becoming comfortable and getting it. But, I mean, you don't get comfortable for like eight or 10 years, but uh, once you do, it's great. But it, you start injecting more and more, whether it's on purpose or an accident, just because you're using just your natural abilities. It's funny when you go back and look at stuff like that, where in the moment you were like mad about it or, you know, you were like, ah, oh, I don't like this. But I went back and watched those and I was cracking up at you just inserting yourself into every conversation. Being like, Hi, I'm Dolph Ziggler. And, you know, Mark Henry and Kane just ignoring you as you're doing yeah. in the hallway. <laughs> Uh, yeah, it, you, you realize that it, it's it's basically branding at the time and getting your foot in the door. And I could have wrestled 20-minute matches that were really good and no, no one would have remembered my name, cared. It wouldn't have mattered on a, a three-hour show with 15 other matches like that. Uh, so that eventually starts to get you recognized to where when you do walk out for a match instead of crickets in silence, which happens sometimes, is to people are booing you just by you walking out on a stage and you go, that's the genius that the boss knew ahead of time to plant this down. Uh, but I think I really was uh, originally brought up to face uh, MVP with one of the ladies from The View in his corner. And I think it was it was more of uh, clearly they didn't say, like, oh, this is this is going to be our world champion in three years. They were like, this guy will be on Superstar sometimes and it's going to be pretty good. Uh so I, I felt like that was the kind of vibe they're going for. And I go, okay, I'm going to give them, if they give me two minutes to do something, I'm going to do a minute 59 of the most amazing stuff that they want to bring me back out that I've been practicing for. 
Well, you have had memorable interactions with celebrities. I mean, you were there for the Snooki match. And I feel like even though now people laugh at Snooki being in a WrestleMania match, at the time, it was a big deal. It was one of the biggest shows on TV, in my opinion. Uh, was it wild for you to kind of like get all that news coverage for the first time from mainstream press over the fact that Snooki slapped you? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I mean, clearly that was my idea, uh, which is which is great. Not to bring Snooki in, but I go, you're gonna smack the hell out of me, and hopefully there's gonna be pictures and video of it everywhere. But uh, it was, it was, uh, it was one of those things that if you are young and new, you go, what the hell is this? But if you're smart and understand the business, Jersey Shore being this ridiculous juggernaut of ratings for a long time, and uh, and the cool thing was she was down to get some gymnastics in or cheerleading or something and wanted to make the show great, not just show up and go, I'm here and it's going to be on TV, everyone deal with me. It was like I was looking forward to seeing her walk out there in front of all those people and then go, whoa, and then have to accomplish. Uh, so, of course, leading up to it was great. Uh, my good buddy, Johnny Nitra or Morrison, uh, on the other side, uh, that it was such a fun thing and so easy. But also it's, I mean, it was so cool leading up to it. It was great to have it. I watched it. Uh, or I, I watched it all go down and saw the coverage that I got. It was a really big deal. And, uh, I just, I, I, I liked, I remember watching, uh, Nitro slide in at the end during the pin to make sure he was in that like USA Today picture standing next to which I really appreciate that as a businessman. Uh, so well, we talked that, about that branding. That's nice branding right there. Yeah. That's yeah, branding, like we were talking about. Smart branding. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> you know, also, you had the Hugh Jackman thing. I feel like that was also another time yeah. where, I mean, he's even a bigger deal than Snooki. I mean, Hugh Jackman was a huge actor at the <laughs> yeah, time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, holy cow, another one. Um, backstage, I, he, he's a sweetheart guy. He was so nice, and he was a fan. He remembered Brooklyn Brawler coming to a show when he was a kid. He remembered a bunch of different things, and he was like, how can we make this awesome? And like, again, that is rare. I, you could be bringing up, like, someone else, and I'd be like, oh, that was okay. Like, this guy wanted to make this amazing, and he didn't have to. Like, there was no rules for him. He could do whatever he wanted. And he, we, we figured it out where he's going to – I think I see him there. He's got Broski's <laughs> headband on, and he's going to punch me in the face. And he goes, so what do we do? Just I kind of swing by you. I go, if you don't punch me in the face as hard as you can – I'm going to get fired and I'm coming after you. And he goes, oh. I go, we have 500 cameras out there and a world watching. You got to punch me because we got enough people saying this stuff's phony anyway. You got to freaking hit me and make this count. And I go, don't worry. You can see by the jaw. I can take a freaking punch. So uh, right before we went out, I said one last time, I go, listen, man, if you think you're going to halfway do it or miss, let's switch this right now because I need you to punch me in the face with my hands down in my head. <laughs> And he goes, I promise you, I won't let you down. And he cracked me in the face pretty damn hard. It was great. Man, that's funny. I, I that's that's got to be a, a pressure-filled situation for someone like Hugh Jackman of just being told, "No, man, punch me in the face." I don't. <laughs> I, I I couldn't imagine being in that scenario at all. Uh, it was and it was great too. And also, Broski's out there, and he's in the middle of his big run, and this is a big. And, Hugh Jackman is one of the biggest movie stars in the world, and he can do anything, Broadway's musical, everything. And he wanted this, because he was a fan of wrestling as a kid, he wanted this to be awesome, and he and he worked at it and made it great. Uh, and again, I mean, I can take a punch, so it's fine. <laughs> so in 2010, you won the Intercontinental title for the first time. What was the biggest lesson that you learned during those 160 days? Uh, 
I don't know, man. Uh, I don't. Uh, what, what's the? Does it? I, I'm really bad at this stuff. I usually ask like uh, Tyson Kidd. I go, "What was this match? Who did I fight?" This is like what uh, I think this is like around Kofi Kingston. I think you beat Kofi Kingston for the title, and then I think you lost it to. I forget who you lost to, but it's around that. Kofi that Kingston. Era. Probably. I mean, you might have lost to Kofi yeah. Kingston. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so I, I mean, so I, I, I uh, the time was awesome because I was getting a, a little re respect as someone, even though I didn't really talk too much, especially Kobe and I in our best of 500 series that he's won like 496 of. And uh, our best of 500 series, we didn't really get to talk a bunch. So there wasn't a lot of psychology to the characters. It was just like, I'm the bad guy. You're the good guy. We know the match is going to rock. Uh, so let's try and outdo ourselves from last time. And uh, we got to a point where I was like, man, I don't, I don't know if I'll ever be champion here. But I was right up there, and I'm, I'm doing everything I possibly can. I go, these matches are friggin' great. Uh, we, especially when you don't have that, uh, the microphone time to let people know that I'm not just some cheesy guy smiling and shaking hands, and Kobe's not just a nice guy. There's all these layers to everyone that they can get them even more involved. But uh, Kofi is so good at his job, and I was getting to be good at my job that we could do so much different stuff. And it, and if we had four Raws in a row where we wrestled, we found a way to do four different matches that somewhat outdid the last one with a counter here or some extra piece here. So uh, all those battles were so fun. But uh, and, and I'm, I'm not uh, a nerd for, like, titles or – records or anything but i go doing it with kofi kingston makes any match like that especially i fought him for the friggin uh championship uh feeling that and knowing that we both kind of like tore it down and stole the show a lot especially when those titles were on the line or on live events when you weren't supposed to like that made it that much more special to be able to hold up some gold and go i am a piece of this company now and let's see where we can go from here I know you said you're not a nerd for title belts, but does your world title run hold a special place in your heart still, even though it was short? World title run. <laughs> uh, the time that you held the world title. Uh, yeah. Oh my God. Of course. Uh, this ridiculous, um, it's ridiculous time. That was some of the best time of my, uh, my career and having fun with things, especially since, um, I, I got the money in the bank contract. I had the briefcase and it had to count as one of my carry-ons by the way, because I had to take it with me. Everywhere. And after one weekend of live events of that thing being smashed on my head, it was crunched like tinfoil, didn't open or close. I had to shove everything into uh, my one carry-on with like my gear title, anything you need, everything shoved in there. Um, and the best was I go, man, I go, I'm used to losing a lot, sadly, but I go, I can always make it special or come around or I can get one win in every hundred or something and make it, make them still matter. And I told the boss, I go, I'm losing every single night and this thing's getting busted over my head. I'm looking like an idiot. And he goes, everything is going to change when you cash that in and become champion. And I went, case closed. I get it. You have it. I have this get out of jail free card where we can use me to help everybody else out until the time is right. And uh, having that for so long and almost cashing in, taking things away and doing different things, having uh, the night before I cashed in, 90% of a WrestleMania crowd chanting for me in a match I'm not in is something I will never, ever forget. Uh, 
And then coming down, I was I was so nervous to make sure that that cash in went great. I what I didn't have a chance to think about like how the crowd's going to react or anything. I was just like, I got to get here. I got to get this done. And the music hit, and it felt like there was like this split second of nothing, and then this noise hit my body like like pins on my body, and I went. I think it was almost a picture of me like oh, like whoa, this is bigger than I even thought. And uh, cashing in was, uh, I mean, having fun with that match, that three, three and a half minutes is a friggin' work of art. It is a Picasso painting because you had all these people. The reason I have this briefcase, the reason I have this contract, the reason I'm fighting, trying to get the world title is because even if I was getting beat up or not getting TV time, the crowd and everyone online was still behind me because of the work. So they made this happen. And that three and a half minutes where there's like two or three times where it gets taken away, they're like, of course they're going to screw Dolph and not get it. He, of course he always almost wins. What the hell is wrong with you? Why do they hate him so much? And then we played on that so much and so beautifully. And he had a hurt uh, ankle and I got to like pull off his ankle. So the story of such a beautiful story, it happens. It goes down, become world champion. Great. Uh, that was so freaking awesome to have a bunch of people who kind of bust balls in the locker room with like genuinely like, Hey, one of the good guys got one. And it was kind of cool. So having that moment and the big gold belt, the Ric Flair world title. Awesome, man. Uh, nothing will ever, I mean, I get main event WrestleMania and it won't be the same as knowing that the company didn't think so highly of me, but 95% of all the fans did. It is yeah. wild. I also felt like you were an early adopter of social media and that kind of helped too. I, I think that hashtag heel stuff that you were doing back then, yeah. people were really into it. Um, and it really helped grow your fan base uh, in a way that wasn't happening on WWE TV at the time necessarily. Yeah, for sure. And it wasn't the app and I would, I would never do this. Maybe once or twice you get bummed down. Do it like, not like the, Oh, why does everyone hate me? I, I need a push or retweet. So I should be fighting for the title. Not that it was, I just said, Kofi and I were fighting for the title, but we never picked up a microphone ever. So it was like, uh, not only am I a cheesy jerk, I got some cheesy jokes too. And if you try and zing me online, I'm going to zing you back and it's going to be funnier. So that made it so where like this 20% more of people who didn't know me was extra booing me when I came out too. And then you, you do start to get this, you have a, your own brand of social media to where you're putting out videos, you're putting out things. And uh, we even had like... Um, I was uh, hopping onto Zach Ryder's YouTube show and just uh, just saying whatever I wanted on the fly, like rambling off a 30 second mean guy thing to a point to where it got so popular. Zach was doing so great that I got pulled aside at raw and said, why aren't you doing these Zach Ryder promos on TV? And I said, when do I have promos on TV? <laughs> yeah. And they walked away and they walked away and said, ah, and, and that was it. So, uh, so I continued to like have way more fun with that. And then it really is cool when you're not, you know, when you're doing your own thing, there, there isn't someone telling you yes or no. And you try and weave something, you're just trying to make something great. And, uh, Zach did so, uh, Matt did so great with that. Uh, unreal at the time that, uh, I, I was happy to be a part of it. Well, you know, in talking about how special that was for you though, I know that, you know, you've grown into a veteran talent and you're not a nerd for titles and you think as more of a business mind, but, do you 
I mean, is there a piece of you that would still like to be the top guy in, in WWE and whatever brand you're on to be the champion and get a longer run this time? Oh, I mean, absolutely, yeah. And there's not like the, there's no doubt in the back of my mind. It's like, man, can I go? It's like, get the hell out of here. I, I go whenever. Uh, I, 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 and this last year, um, I might be in the best shape of my life also. So not only do I not get tired, I, I don't know someone, I don't know how some people in the business can go, I don't want to be in the best shape ever so I can go an hour if they need me to. I don't know why that doesn't cross some people's mind. But not only do I look the part, I back up the part with the collegiate, I back up the part with the titles, I back up the part with the talking, and then I get in the ring and can do whatever I want. I'm always ready for that. Uh, and it used to be, oh, somebody got sick or somebody got hurt who's fighting for the world title, oh, put in Dolph, it's going to steal the show. And you go, at what point can I be in there? You know, I earned it. You just said I did. So I'm ready whenever the time is right. I pitch as I do things. You're constantly proactive to help things out. Uh, but sometimes right now I, I liked for the first time in a years, it was a break from singles action and focusing on tagging just to, I think when the time is right, make it extra fresh to have me, uh, you know, at some point by myself, I'm going to talk to you about one non-wrestling related thing here. Uh, Finally. What, <laughs> what about Britney Spears makes you such a fan of hers? <laughs> Uh, we need to free Britney first and foremost. <laughs> I'm going to get uh, to that. I'm going to get to that. <laughs> uh, I, I, so I, I, I listened to a bunch of like, uh, hair nation, heavy metal stuff, eighties, nineties rock. I love that stuff. Uh, when it came to workouts, I just, there was always a couple like poppy songs and I, I, I liked hers and, uh, my friend and I made it a, a yearly thing to go to Vegas and see her for like six, seven years in a row. And it was so fun. Um, and it's just, you're, once you once you you grow up and you you realize you're now rooting for her, hoping she gets a normal life at some point because she's made so many people happy and she has this music that if you make fun of it, that's fine. If it's auto tune, that's fine. If you play a CD and she dances around it at the show, I know the deal going in. I'm a fan. Uh, I just I I'm rooting for her. And you realize, hey, you put some when someone puts smiles on faces, you you want to recognize that and you know and let everyone else know that hey man, there's there's some good people out there. Uh, but I just, uh, the music's great. I love it. I know a bunch of her music. It's fun. Makes you want to dance. I don't dance whenever anyone's watching me. It'll be very dark <laughs> at the show and I'm in the back, but uh, with shades on or something too. But it's it's such a great thing uh, that I can just put her music on and know what it is and like it. You watched the documentary, I imagine, since you're talking about the Free Britney stuff. I watched it and I was on the Free Britney train. I was all about it. But then I have since seen her statements that she does on social media where she talks about how, like, she's not being, where it seems like she's saying she's not being held against her will. So are, are you not buying some of those things that she puts on social media? Do you think that, we're starting to free That her? really seems like those, like, <laughs> I'm in, I'm enjoying my life so much that I know like it seems a little hostage hostagey um but maybe it's not and I and I think there's so many people out there before before that documentary that's rooting for her that want to help her and say but also she's had a, a really wild life that any of us would have had some uh issues dealing with it probably one way or another and I feel like for all the wild stuff she got to do at such a young age, she's somewhat more normal than I would be. So I'm rooting for her. And you wonder if, if, if it's for the best for people to help her, because maybe a lot of people around you aren't always helping, but maybe they, maybe it's for the best and maybe not. But I feel like 
somebody needs to to get in there and ask uh, w- without anyone else around, just to make sure she's okay. You know, just to double check on her. Yeah, I, run around I feel- for a long time. I want to keep going to Vegas and see her show, so I don't want them ending. My producer, when he saw me write down on my list of questions that I was going to ask you about Free Britney, he was like, "Did you mean to put that in your notes?" <laughs> <laughs> well, did you enjoy your time with Drew McIntyre? <laughs> Yeah, uh, uh, yes, of course I did. Uh, that was fun. That was another one where I was walking backstage and I, oh, by the way, you and Drew, you guys are a team. And you go, oh, yeah, okay. Uh, so I'm like, where's Drew? Um, but that was another one where you, we, we both wanted to accomplish the same goals. We had a plan. I, I know no matter how good I am in this team, no matter what happens in this team, they're going to go with Drew here in six months or a year. So let me help him as much as I can and then let the two of us separate ourselves from the rest of the tag division and make something special. So he has another launching pad to the next thing. And, uh, that's, I mean, I feel like we crushed that. That was so, uh, it's fun. And when I say fun, it wasn't like laughing and joking around. It's just, it was so good. And we got, he got to talk and I got to talk and we got to add uh, layers to what we're doing. And then we got to fight with the shield two out of the three here and there. And then we got to just make moments where we talk trash kick some people's heads off so we can build up a team instead of just being jerks that, you know, stroll out there and lose most of the time. One of my favorite matches of yours in WWE was that ladder match against Luke Harper uh, for the Intercontinental Championship at TLC in 2014. God rest his soul. Uh, what was your favorite thing about working with Brody? Um, he, he loved doing it, man. Uh, and in, a, in, a, in an outside of the ring part, he loved it. Uh, I mean, People have said this millions of times and they will forever that he, I, I'm out there fighting for me. He's out there fighting for his family and it makes it so much more special. And, uh, a bunch of times I got to be, uh, one-on-one against him, even, uh, in his hometown and in that match to where the family was there. And, and he was, I, I could tell him, I'm like, I want to do this. I'm going to steal the show and tell everyone to follow that. We're the first match main events, not going to follow this and be begging us to, not do anything and then he he was on board but also was like i want to be a good example for my family and i want to do this for them and i want them to feel special and i go i don't know that feeling yet maybe i will one day but man uh that extra layer to him is what stands out uh you can talk about the great wrestling and knowing what he's doing like that match was awesome because he's great um but the, the behind the scenes stuff is uh, hopefully what everyone will be talking about for, for a long time. All right, well, we've run out of time here, but I've got one last thing here. I like to end all my first time interviews talking with my guest about their finishing move. For you, that's obviously the zigzag. So first tell me, what's the most memorable zigzag you ever hit on someone? Um, man, I gotta think of a better one, but um... Well, let's go like this. So I don't want to educate you here, but the zigzag is not my finisher anymore. It's now a super kick, whatever. I invented it. Shawn Michaels borrowed it in the 90s, whatever. It's fine. So it's my <laughs> thing now. And before that, what's that? When's the last time that you hit the zigzag? Has it For been the long? win, probably the world title. Crazy. Okay. Uh, actually, no, I, there, there was... There was one a couple of weeks ago against the Street Profits, but Super Kicks, Super Kicks, my finisher. All right. All right. Um, so getting a couple of weeks before I knew I was fighting Goldberg, there was Miz 
and Shawn Michaels in the ring, and I got to talk trash to both of them for being soft and super kick the friggin' face off Shawn Michaels, and that felt really good. That's that's the one that makes sense, and that's the reason I fought for it for 10 years back and forth to have something make a statement. Because if I jumped up and zigzag Shawn Michaels, oh, that's a cool thing. But if I kick him right in his face and drop him, I just dropped one of the greatest of all time and made a statement. I feel like that's the difference in those two moves. So then I take it he's also your favorite person to, to hit the super kick on? Um, who do I like to kick in the face? Man, it's fun to kick people. Um, that's a good one, but it's, you know, I, I had to get him back. In the Spirit Squad days, I feel like I got super kicked by him. If you count live events, probably 200 times. And a couple times, we have to slide back in and get kicked together. Like, it was, it was a wild time. So uh, I owed him, and that's why it felt good to get that one. Uh, but kick, kicking Miz always feels real good. Uh, there's something special about that. Um, yeah, let's, let's, let's say Miz because he, he's got another look on his face that, you know, you're not really a fan of and, and we're friends. That's perfect because he said his favorite person to hit his finishing move on was you and some of his other friends. So that's actually perfect. excellent. <laughs> Lastly, uh, what's one time you hit, what were you going to say? What were you going to say? I was going to say, uh, being in that figure four, his embarrassingly bad version of a figure four is one of my absolute favorite things. Just looking down with disgust, but then flailing around because he, once he locks it in, he locks it in. And I go, I, I make that look better than anybody else. So you're welcome, but you should learn how to do that correctly. <laughs> anyway, uh, it's, it's, it's okay. He wears, he looks nice in a suit, so he doesn't really have to do anything else that well. <laughs> uh, lastly, what's one time you hit the super kick that you wish you could take back for whatever reason? Oof. What did Miz say? Miz, Miz took back a move? He no. said he wouldn't take any of them back because he doesn't win enough with it. So he wants to uh, keep... <laughs> God, of course he said that. Um, who would I take one back on? I wonder if I could take it back on Del Rio when I won the world title to get one more little dip in that and not hit the zigzag, go for a roll-up on him maybe grab the tights and he still gets out and puts the hold back on and we get to the ropes and i rake his eyes and roll him oh yeah del real i uh, make that even make that a minute longer people would still be talking about it yeah perfect well thank you so much for taking the time today i really appreciate it like i said i'm a huge fan of yours so getting to talk about your whole career like this was super fun for me got it man thanks for having me all right, well, that's this week's show with Dolph Ziggler. I hope you guys enjoyed that interview as much as I did. I really enjoyed hearing how he put his character together over the years and just hearing his thoughts on the business. I think he's got a great mind for it. Okay, that's this week's show. Make sure that you subscribe to Out of Character on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Make sure you follow at WWE on Fox on all social media as well. And go follow the WWE on Fox YouTube page as well. That's where you can find all all the shows that we do here on camera as well as a bunch of other video clips from all the shows throughout the week okay that's it we're done officially tapping out for now until next time i'm ryan satin and this is out of character for the best stories easy to find scores and comprehensive team pages plus access to every live fox sports game and exclusive bonus cameras download the all-new fox sports app now